welcome to a reverent testimony brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, January 9th, 2021. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. We're back. Hi. We're back. Uh, we did- I wonder why. It's weird. <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> um, Not since we've been gone, but yes. No. It's been... Quite a week, and we were compelled to talk about it. We, uh, we've been off the air for a while for myriad reasons. We moved into a new place. We've been here, what, like two and a half, three weeks Three now? weeks about, yeah. Seems a lot longer. Yeah. Lots happened since then. Yeah. <laughs> Lots happened. A new year, a, a Christmas, a Hanukkah. Yep. So I thought the biggest thing would be Tuesday, the Georgia elections, yeah. Of course, when we managed to win two seats, win back the Senate. But then uh, Wednesday, some other stuff happened. Um, not, we're not going to re- recap and give you the play-by-play. But um, You'd have to be living under a log to not know. Funny story. Um, I talked to somebody yesterday who was also moving, but they were moving like a whole family, like kids and like a whole house and... Yeah, they literally missed all of it and had no idea what was going on. Oh, wow. And had just, like, plugged back in. Oh, wow. And like, what's happening now? What? There was a protest? What? Oh. I mean, <laughs> on the day of, I was talking to one of the people I work with, and we were doing a call, and there's a lot of change happening at work, and I said, like, oh, I've just been, like, completely sucked in by all of this. And she was like, I know, must be really stressful for you. And I was like, yeah. And she's like... Just with all of our calendars and everything, I can't imagine. And I was like, oh, I I meant the insurrection that's happening at the Capitol. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, there's an insurrection happening at the Capitol. There's just a bunch of people that have overtaken the Capitol building. And she was like, everyone thinks I'm hyperbolic, right? Everyone thinks I'm constantly exaggerating things. And so she was like, okay, there's a protest. And I was like... You could just turn on the news right now and any, like any channel, everyone like Mitt Romney just called it an insurrection. She's like, what? So that was my experience. And that was only like a couple of hours in. Yeah, I'm um, I'm trying to imagine had we been moving on that day, like oh physically God. moving. I think we still would have known what was going on because we'd be like looking yeah. at Twitter yeah. and trying to follow things and we'd still be paying attention. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it must be nice to just completely unplug from the world like that. I guess we do sometimes. Yeah. But not when there's something going on. Right. That we know. Right. It's right. going on. And that might be real interesting. Like in the couple of weeks prior to this happening, I was 50% tuned in. Like I was like watching stuff and it was like, ugh, you know. Remember, and like the elections yeah. and stuff. But like, you know, I, I wasn't glued to MSNBC certainly. And then certainly I have been since. Well, remember, it wasn't just the protest happening. It was because they were um, announcing the certifications of the vote. Right. And allowing it to proceed. Right. Which is um, like yeah, usually the most boring thing that exists. Yes. Once the election's over, it's just like oh, a, oh, no. a formality. It, it, it's how many percent more, thousands percent more people like know the whole inner workings of it now. The, I think that's before. true for so much of government since President Trump, I have to say. Right, right. Yes. It's like, can he do yes. that? We better look it up, us right. laymen. Right. What is impeachment exactly? And what right. does it mean? And like, what is collusion? And what is, you know, there's a lot of legal terms. What's which the is, 25th Amendment? Right. Which is also, I think a lot of the legal stuff has created a lot of um, pseudo legal scholars, <laughs> much like we have pseudo medical well, yeah, doctors. Yeah. Um, well, social media, you know. Yeah. 
somebody, first of all, the reason there are constitutional lawyers is that the Constitution's a tricky read. Yeah. And it has to be interpreted. And that's why there are Supreme Court justices. And that's why cases go to the Supreme Court because right. it's tricky. And so Bob on Twitter having an opinion and then people Because he like, went to he, court once when he got a divorce. Right. Like, that's not what we're talking about No, here. no. And that's kind of what happens. And, and I'm going to get into the whole social media thing because the entire social media landscape has completely changed in the past 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. And it's pretty nuts. And a lot of people have opinions about it. Yeah. We're going to get to a lot of things. <clears throat> but... Um, well, the first thing I want to talk about... I mean, I don't know. Where do you want to start? I have things in mind. I have a lot of things in mind, but go ahead. Um, I want to talk about the bizarro universe where people like you and I are more concerned about the physical safety of Mike Pence than actual his actual Republican colleagues who are just kind of content to maybe let him get lynched. I mean, explain that for maybe people who know that there was an insurrection at the White House, but, you know, aren't exactly sure the, the lead up to uh, that. Okay, so... Leading up to Wednesday the 6th, when the vice president as sort of president of the Senate. president of the Senate, which is ceremonial, essentially, yes. he's also the tiebreaking vote if it's 50 50, which we'll get into yep. because now that's what's going to happen with the Democrats and Kamala. But uh, Mike Pence's role in in announcing the certifications of the electors is just that. And, and I made this analogy it's like the the famous person who announces the winner for best actor at the Oscars. Right. They have absolutely no authority to decide right. anything. They're literally reading what is in the envelope they've been handed. And that is the exact job. And it's spelled out in the Constitution. It's as, as ceremonial as... Uh, dressing up and going and presenting the best actor Oscar. You didn't get to vote for it. A bunch of other people <laughs> voted for it. Then they hand you a piece of paper and you go, yeah, okay, here's the guy. Now somebody, again, I'll go back to a hypothetical Bob on Twitter, looked up and, and, and saw that the vice president does this. And then the light bulb went off, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, it's Mike Pence. It's, it's Trump's boy. Right. So all Mike Pence has to do, because we, let, we, I guess we could backtrack a little further, on the dates... That the states certified their vote for all like the contested states where Trump tried to sue and lost every case and claimed fraud. You know, the, the, the states officially certified their slate of electors, because I'm not going to get into the whole elector, electoral college, but right. you, you at least vaguely know what that is at this point, yes. I hope, if you listen to this podcast. Uh, you know, they all certified for Biden. So what a bunch of Republican idiots did was make fake ones, essentially saying, no, 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 Donald Trump won because we decided he did. Right. Because there and was And they were going to like deliver that to Congress and be like, well, here's... I'll, I'll yeah, explain yeah. what happened. Okay, go ahead. They actually did, one state, I forget which state, actually like forged the state seal to try to fool somebody, I guess. And they, they, <laughs> they sent these fake um, certifications to the National Archives. Now... The National Archivist is not some guy, or it's not Brad right. the intern. Right. It's somebody who knows the Constitution and knows what they're doing. So... Like, their specific job <laughs> is a really, really niche-specific job well, that it, takes it, expertise. It's also spelled out in the Constitution. So you get the state's slate of electors, right? And this is... All of this rigmarole is because we still have the stupid electoral college. Right. As opposed to, like, 
Oh, well, we counted the votes and 51% guy won. Yeah yeah. 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 Right. Or And we don't have a parliamentary system, which is way more complicated, but... Also way better, I think, in oh, a lot of ways. Yes. But anyway. But anyway, so we have the stupid electoral college, so this is what has to happen. The, the archivist at the National Archives, I have no idea who it is. It's somebody who wears tweed, probably, um, gets the electors, <laughs> and this archivist knows that it is the official state of electors that they are going to send to Congress when it has the official state st- seal on it. They know what the official state seal is, what it looks like, and what yeah. a legitimate certified um, slate of electors looks like. They also know who won. <laughs> I mean, So, yeah. like, it oh, would make for, national news if, like, one state was just like, fuck it, we're just going to not do it that way. Well, sure. But, so, like, sure, it's... But that, that's, yeah. Let's pretend that the archivist... Literally lives, lives in, in an archive. archive. Yeah, and never and never the light and doesn't of day. watch the news, right? Right, right. Like they're a robot. Right. And they get the correct slate of electors, and then they did, we found out, this has all been lost, they got the fake ones too. Now, the archivist is not confused. No. Well, first of all, like you alluded to, I'm sure the archivist also watches the news and yeah. knows what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But... Even if they didn't, and they're just going to follow the rule book, a- a.k.a. the Constitution, the only elect- official electors certificate, whatever you want to call it, that they're going to send to Congress for Congress to read and then the te- what's called the tellers tally up the votes and then say, Joe Biden is the president, the next president of the United States and will be sworn in on January 21st, right? Right. <coughs> 20th, but yes. 20th, yes. So there's no confusion. What the right-wingers decided was, aha, Pence can get the, the, the other electors that, are, that our Republican friends invented and sent, and in some cases forged, and actually they may be facing legal consequences for that. Right. Um, and then Trump will be elected somehow. I'm just imagining them like on their computer talking to their wife who like works as, you know, somewhere in a bank or something. And they're like, OK, type this up on Word, type West Virginia election official <clears throat> and then be like Trump's the president and we'll send it. <laughs> and then that's it. Problem solved, because Mike Pence is going to be the guy who's overseeing it. He's not going to fucking tell anybody right he wants yeah. trump to win like this is what i'm imagining i guess they no went no a little no that's exactly that, what like, they all did and it went as far as like to rudy giuliani and lynn wood and and people on fox news and and like people really took this seriously and i'm not going to go through all the machinations of why this would never have worked in a million years right uh if it, you if you want a, a really good explainer on it go back and listen to kegro in the morning on January 5th, uh, him and Armando break break down the whole hypothetical. <laughs> okay. Like you heard me like cracking up when I was listening to it. Yeah. But just to say that these people got it in their head that Mike Pence could somehow just decide that no Trump is president and just either throw out the actual election certificates or read the fake ones and that Congress would go along and then Trump would be president or something. I, I don't know. But well, there. Uh, so just to back up for one second, there was also a lawsuit that Mike Pence was named in. Oh, by Louis Gohmert. Yeah, they that like out. he threw it out. Mike Pence, as the person was standing, was like, <laughs> no. And that really pissed them off. Right. They were like, how dare he? He's a traitor. And yeah, that that yeah. that plus this, I think, is. Well, it, it, the bottom line is this. 
it, it turned to Mike Pence can save us to Mike Pence better do this or he's a traitor. Yep. He is a he's a Chinese bot, communist, Soros, pedophile traitor. Yes. Even the crazy ass Lynn Wood, and I don't know if we've talked about Lynn Wood before. Lynn Wood is an insane attorney at a big law firm. Yeah. I guess for a little while longer before he gets disbarred. And even he was pushing this. Um, I don't want to say poor Mike Pence because I, for the most part, I wouldn't piss on Mike Pence if he was on fire. Yeah. But boy, did he get fucked. Now you reap what you sow and you, like if you're going to go yeah. work for Trump, it's like, you know, it's working for a mob boss. They right. might whack you. Yeah. Very real possibility. Yeah. It's what you're signing up for. You what, know it when you go in and like you take that risk because oh, you you're, want you're a made the man benefits. now. Right. And, and somebody's setting you up so it's going to look like you're going to cross the boss. Uh, right. But you you signed up for this yeah. in order to reap the benefits that comes from working for a mob boss. That's and you've right. reaped those benefits for quite some time now. And so it's, there's it's also not, a price to pay sometimes. It's not sympathy in that sense. But so this is what happened. And, and a lot of people aren't really connecting the dots because I was watching the events unfold. So that that same day the right-wingers um, planned, and we're going to get into the whole planning because that's mm-hmm. a real story, this big, what they called a protest. They're, they're protesting the election because they think it was stolen, and... They're protesting on this specific day because this is the specific day that Congress is going to certify the election results and say Joe Biden will be the next president. So if they think there's enough of them outside yelling that something will happen, Pence will right. cave and Pelosi will cave, or who knows uh, who what knows? they were thinking. Yeah. But that's not what they were thinking. They actually had a plan. We now like. know. Yeah. yeah. We now know. A, a crazy fucking plan, but it seems to be a plan nonetheless. In any event, so one or two things happened. E- either they were waiting to see what is Pence going to do, or when Pence did what he did, it enraged him, and that section of this you know, cabal of rioters then decided it was the time was right to storm the Capitol. And that's when all hell broke loose. Yep. Was after Pence got up there and basically said, the only thing I can do is read what's in these envelopes. Right. These envelopes say Biden won. Right. Bye. Right. I mean, they didn't officially get around to certifying the results as of yet, but he had indicated like, there is no, there's nothing I can do here. Like, a, I wouldn't do it, and B, like I can't. Like, I thought I'm, I actually thought that Pence was going to try some bullfuckery in terms of a speech, at least. Yeah, I thought he was going to make a big speech that they there, you know, there were big irregularities, and maybe this can get sorted out in the courts, and you know, we we need to really talk about election security. But for now, my the only thing I can do is read these. He may have done that. No, he didn't. But I mean, he may have done that had the events not continued to unfold the way that they unfolded. And when they finally certified the election results that night, he did not do what he may have done. No, 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 no. This happened in the morning. Pence Pence made that speech in the morning before all hell broke loose. Right, but not before the election results themselves were certified because there were those objections um, that they had to, from the the 12 or whatever Republicans. Sure, but I thought Pence was going to join in on that chorus halfway, mm. saying, I, I can't change the results of this, but I'm going to make the same speeches and talk about how it was all rigged. Right. I thought he might try to do that. Right. He did not. He did not. No. And that really pissed them off. Now, had he split the baby, would it have mattered? I don't know. I mean, they didn't bring all that gear for nothing. No. No. And, and I was screaming on Twitter 
um, while this was happening. Like they are trying to lynch Mike Pence. Right. Holy shit. They want to murder Mike Pence. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of confusion. Wait, what's happening? What do they want? What, why is this guy stealing a gavel? Why is this guy have his feet on Pelosi's desk? And I'm like, they're trying to lynch Mike Pence. And guess what? Now videos have come out today. And I think some yesterday with people screaming, get Pence, hang Pence. Pence is a traitor. Right. Because we were paying attention to what was happening online in the days leading up to this. Yeah. More so, it seems, than a lot of the press. Yep. Um, more so, it seems, than a lot of politicians. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, we should not be better informed about what was going to go down and what did go down. But... I don't think it's that the press didn't know. I think it's that they, just like everyone else, politicians, press, and the sort of structural society that we have in place just looks at angry white people and assume there's really not a story here. They're going to come out with their flags. They're going to say dumb shit to some like guy on the street it's interview. Like it's not like they're black. Lives it's matter. not like they're extremists. They're not black. <laughs> they're right. Not, they're not Muslim. They're not Muslim. They're not black. They're not kneeling. You know what I mean? They're just going to come out here. They're going to do some dumb interview. They're going to wave their pocket constitutions right, and right. then go home. Now, some politicians were very concerned about this and we're going to get into law enforcement in depth later. Yeah, but and then you had the hip, cool, anti, anti-Trump anti left, supposedly left-leaners like Greenwald and Tracy being like, oh, stop, you know, stop panicking. Stop inflaming the situation. There's not a coup, you know. And they're still saying that bullshit, yeah. of course. But, yeah. you know, fuck those people anyway. But a lot of the press was doing that too. Yeah. It was like, oh, let's not get carried away. What's Trump going to do? And then, you know, backing up weeks and months, like, let Trump have his tantrum. Let him let him yeah. get it out. It'll be fine. Right. There's no real danger. Right. And people like us are like, uh, We've been saying it for a while now. This is the most dangerous time, right? Between yeah. the election and inauguration. This yes. is the time where things get the most dangerous. And I am really sad that I'm right. I mean, I was talking to my dad after the election once things had kind of quieted and everybody's could lick their wounds a little bit. And, <clears throat> you know, he's out he's out there, Trump on social media, talking about the election was stolen and it's a fraud and all this stuff. And my dad was like, you know, at first he was like, well, I think we do have a lot of problems with our electoral system. And I was like, I totally agree. Um, but like that is the system that we're working in. And there was no violation of that system that occurred. And he was like, agreed. Um, and I said, you know, and then a couple of days later, he was still on this shit. And I said to my dad, like, he needs to stop. And my dad was like, he will. He'll stop. <laughs> he'll, you know, he'll run out of steam. He's like a kid, basically, you know. And I was like, I don't think he's going to stop. Why would he stop? And, and he's like, not yeah. to pick on your dad. Because no, no, no. Like, mainstream mainstream media, everybody was thing. saying the same thing. And I just kept saying, like, I don't think that's true. And, and it's not just him. Like, it's not like... Everyone's like, oh, he's, he's got the nuclear codes. And it's like, okay, yes, that's scary. But that's been scary for four years. What I'm scared about more than that is what exactly happened, which is he fuels this fire so much with these people by saying false things. Like the, the mob is what we should be worried about, not this one man. And yeah. the thing about him is that he incites the mob. And when it's something as serious as they lost an election and... He's telling them it was stolen. That's right. He's whipped um, them all into a frenzy. They believe that to be true. Of course. Yeah. That is a sincerely held belief that a lot of them have. And it's his fault in a lot of ways. Him and his cohorts. Um, and Well, think about what if we believed that the election was stolen? 
I mean, I remember back in 2000. I believed that. Well, that that was a little different. What if we thought the way they did, that there were right. thousands of fake boats? Scandal style, scan- right? right? Yeah. And, but of course, with us, we would need to see proof before we yes. started smashing things. Right. Um, but you can understand that impulse and that anger. Yes. When the people you trust are telling you that. Right. Right. Like, what if what if Hillary was yelling every day that she has all the proof that right. it was stolen? And it just, was stolen, and here's this fraud the, that happened, and, you know. The courts just aren't listening to me. The press just right. isn't listening to me. Right. We would at least be like, I want to I wanna hear what you have to say. Now, after a while, there's no actual evidence presented. We'd be like, like she's think, got sour grapes. Uh, no, we Shut would up. think she's gone crazy. Right. And yeah. we would be like, you need to stop. Right. You need to stop. There's no evidence. If that stops saying it, it's dangerous. Knock yeah. it off. Go away. Right. Instead, she like hiked in the woods without makeup for a couple <laughs> weeks. That's literally what she did. And still got. She stopped uh, wearing and makeup. Sti- and still got criticized for doing that. Yes. Of course. Yes. She stopped wearing makeup and hiked a lot. And. That was not an acceptable reaction. No, either. I don't know. That was there, terrible. There was no acceptable reaction, of no. course. But in any event, and you know, people like to say, "Well, you know, there there were some some senators that had their protests in 2004," and I'm like, "Yes, uh, they did not organize mobs to storm the Capitol and try to murder people, though." No. So that's kind of a big difference. Well, and, and in 2000, I remember when. Inauguration Day came, there were protests. Um, and a lot of the protests were on the like inaugural day, like parade sort of thing. And people turned their backs on the, the, the motorcade. The yeah. motorcade. Yeah. Um, that's fine. That's a powerful statement. It's appropriate. It's nonviolent. Nobody stormed yeah. the Capitol and threatened Look, to murder people. If a bunch of Trumpers wanted to show up and turn their back on Biden's motorcade, I wouldn't give a shit. That's right. fine. Right. Go ahead. Right. Or go stand outside the Capitol with your Trump's flags and all your bullshit and do dumb guy on the street interviews and, you know, talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is not that. No. This isn't, you know, this is not that what happened. Let's talk about a little about what we know now was happening inside the Capitol. Well, I want to talk first while we're on the subject of yeah. voter fraud. I think this is really important because it... uh there is. There is a problem with our election system. and It's called the Electoral College. Well, it's, it's that, but it's other things, too. I'm sure. going to read this uh, tweet thread from Brittany Packnett um, Cunningham, who is one of my favorite human beings on Twitter. And this was written right after the election, 20 days after the election of 2020. Okay. Um, it's in response to Nate Silver saying some stupid shit. <laughs> Which he sometimes does. Yeah, so she says, she's at Miss Pacchietti. So I really try my best not to use the quote tweet for shade or snark. I employ it for funny slash sweet things or if there's a lesson we really, really need to understand. This, you've guessed by now, is the latter. Because this isn't just wrong, it's dangerous. Yes, thread. So she's quote tweeting Nate Silver's tweet that basically says there's a lack of precision to many of them. They didn't explain the mechanisms by which the election would be stolen, blah, blah, blah. He's talking about how there's like no racism, basically. So she says 2016, 2018, 2020 modern, recent, robust evidence is everywhere that election theft is abundant. Mm -hmm. It's called voter disenfranchisement, suppression and disinformation. It's not new, but it's getting more sophisticated. I say that takes I say that takes like there are dangerous like that are dangerous because nobody has nobody seen as an authority on elections should ever be downplaying or invalidating the danger of modern voter suppression. 
It's malpractice, and in my opinion, it's way worse than the polls folks likes to dunk on. At some point, white voices of authority are going to have to realize two things if they want to be at all truthful. One, black folks know y'all better than you know yourselves. Mm -hmm. Two, you can't afford to keep living in a totally different world. On the first point, plenty of black folks felt like Biden was a calculated move, that he was a white man enough of you would vote for. I've explained this multiple times before, and there are enough white voting patterns that prove black people right time and time again. Whatever your preferred outcome was in the primaries isn't the point. The point is black folks know how to hold radicalism and pragmatism at the same time and in the hard moments. If Biden was the pragmatic choice, black voter turnout was still radical as fuck. Which brings me to point two. The idea that Trump's attempted theft was unsuccessful because it was never real is the exact wrong conclusion. It didn't work because black, indigenous, and marginalized people busted our tails to beat back our own suppression. Mm -hmm. Period. Yep. It's the most frustrating thing to watch people give trash hot takes when the mechanisms for theft were widely reported on and fought against. If the mechanisms didn't exist, I guess all those black lawyers and organizers and digital protectors did nothing for four years? You're telling me you watched Brian Kemp run his own election? Stacey Abrams' race gets stolen. Read the reports that 2000... 200,000 Georgia voters were wrongly purged in that race. See the pro-Georgia table of organizers fight tooth and nail and still think elections don't get stolen. You're telling me that you watched Ron DeSantis turn over the will of Floridians and make 1.4 million formerly incarcerated folks pay restitution before they could vote. (laughs) FRRC raised millions of dollars to pay a damn poll tax and still there's no mechanisms for theft. You mean to tell me that you watched Ali Young have to lead entire caravans on horseback in Arizona because there are 10 miles for some indigenous folks between their homes and their polling places and still think there's no suppression? You're actually going to fix your fingers to say there was no mechanism for theft when just this past primary, Milwaukee went down to one polling place in a pandemic? You watched Greg Abbott try to pull a similar stunt in Harris County and still have the nerve to say that. You have the unmitigated gall to call warnings about election theft an underwear gnome, which is a quote from Nate Silver, Mm -hmm. like Trump didn't file a bunch of lawsuits in the blackest cities and counties in America because he couldn't understand for the life of him how we overcame their robbery attempts. You really going to look John Lewis's ghost in the face and say this was never real when Mitch McConnell let the Voting Rights Restoration Act named for Mr. Lewis sit and get dusty on his desk? In the year of our Lord 2020, you're going to act like Trump didn't hire his homeboy, Louis DeJoy, to try to shut down the damn postal service, (laughs) the sorting machines, and the infrastructure needed for a pandemic election? You're going to get on Beyonce's internet and act like Cambridge Analytica never existed, disinformation ain't running rampant, and black and Latinx communities were never targeted? You're going to take the day the Lord has made and use it to pretend Trump hasn't attempted to undermine the validity of our election since the second he was afraid he was going to lose with lie after lie? It's offensive to all of us who spent every waking minute fighting the well-documented, multifaceted mechanisms for election theft you refuse to take seriously because few white dudes have ever had their votes suppressed. And you should be embarrassed to be this persistently wrong. And yes, I'm making it about race because newsflash it is. White men who keep getting it wrong still get every dollar and press clipping and opportunity when black folks who have honestly and accurately assessed the flaw of democracies for generations keep it alive. If there is no monster underneath your bed, it's not because it never existed. It's because all the black and brown and indigenous people you don't bother talking to killed it for you. 
And every time you get on your very big perch and proclaim the threat was never real and the monster was made up, you undermine the very people who slayed the actual dragon with far fewer resources and notoriety than you have. The emperor has no clothes. Let us handle it, please. I got worked up, but the point is, any American electoral commentary, predictions, or work that lack a clear analysis of racist voter suppression is not worth the paper it's printed on or the app it's posted on. This is America. The entire Democratic project has been based on the use of black and indigenous labor and land and the suppression of black and indigenous freedoms. It is central to the entire conversation. The sooner we act like it, the sooner we get free. And don't ever fix your mouth to say there's not a precedent for theft in this country, not with an earshot of black folks or indigenous folks. We will correct the record every time. We know America better than she knows herself and more intimately than she likes to admit. Yeah. So if you want to talk about theft of voting and theft of elections, that's what we should be talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Not some pie in the sky made up thing where a bunch of people voted and they shouldn't have and sent in fake all this bullshit about illegals. All this bullshit is bullshit. There is voter yeah. suppression yeah. and there is purging of voter rolls. And, and now the moderate Republicans, even Romney has said this are trying to move the goalposts to be like, well, see, there are a lot of concerns now, so now we, I guess we do need stricter voter ID, and we need to look right. at this, and, and it's like... No. 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 No, all that is is further voter suppression, and that is election theft. Well, let's talk about, in the midst of all this, what Stacey Abrams was able to do in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, if you all are really happy that we took the Senate back, you can thank... Black women. Black women. Yeah. And black people in general, because they are the ones that fucking stormed to the polls, despite COVID and all the bullfuckery that, you know, we think that that now because Trump has his ire on the Georgia secretary of state and the governor who wouldn't steal it for him. Yeah. Outright. I right. Mean, they've been trying to steal it in a million other ways, like yep. that thread you just. Right. Like they did all they could and it's still. They're getting you know, more and more sophisticated. Right. and. And to her point, black and brown people are just getting turning out in higher numbers and overcoming their own suppression. Like they are in the streets doing what they can to overcome their own oppression. And what the fuck are we doing? That's right. And you still have all these people talking about, oh, well, it was the white suburban moms that really turned on Trump. It's like, yeah, a bunch of them probably did. But that's not why that's not why he lost. No. No. Period. Look, black and indigenous folks won this election for Joe Biden and for Congress. That's that yeah. is why we yep. have a Democratic Congress and a Democratic president. Correct. Bottom line. Yep. If white people were the only people to vote, we would have Trump for the rest of the American experiment. Oh yeah. And if we could just disenfranchise all white people myself included from voting from now on I would be fine with that <laughs> we've had plenty yeah we don't do very well with it um and we've been taken away from other people since we have been able to um in one way or another so if we just want to sit the next couple out I'd be fine with that right but you're 100% correct that's the reason we are where we are it's not because a bunch of suburban moms decided that enough was enough it's not no of course, that's what the New York Times thinks. Right. And those are the only people they want to talk to anymore. Right. Like, has one of their voter profiles... Because they don't want to use the race card. It's about card. race because it's always about race. <laughs> this is America. 
It's always been about race. So there's that. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say about that? Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, Georgia and who got elected there. <laughs> a black guy and a Jew. Yeah. In Georgia. Now, I'll remind you, and every time I tell people this, because let me give a little aside. I think I'm going to start an OnlyFans, but instead of like me and like lurid poses and, and like, mm-hmm. you know, flexing, it'll be me talking about politics because <laughs> I, and, and I know this has happened to you too. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. We have a circle Forever. of friends and relatives and peers who know that we follow this stuff religiously and they really don't, even though they care about it. So when some shit goes down, our phones blow up. Yeah, it's an all-day affair. Of not just our own processing. It's literally like explaining, calming people down, or a lighting a fire under their ass and being like, no, this is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and a lot of explaining, and a lot of hand-holding, and a lot of like, let's open our textbook to page 274. A lot, where of, it defines, a lot of clarifying and mm-hmm. shooting down of bad rumors. Yep. And yep. this thing they read on Facebook is yep. not true. Right. And yeah. I, I've had to do double duty lately because people are asking me about COVID vaccines too. Right, right. Um, which is weird because they have doctors they could ask, but yeah. they know me and I worked in clinical research, so I know more than the doctor. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I read the literature that's publicly available. Right. And you were able to understand it, Yeah, I guess, and they know you, but yeah, no, it's definitely been a thing for a really long time in my life that my People call me and text me now and, you know, what the fuck's happening? What about this? I read this. Is this true? What about that? What if this happens? You know. But anyway, in the Georgia race, you had John Ossoff, who had had lost previously. Um, Young guy. He's only 33 now. He'll be the youngest senator since I don't remember who or maybe in history. And then uh, Raphael Warnock, who's a a reverend, but a a pro-choice reverend. Okay. Like stridently pro-choice okay um very progressive guy two really great young progressive guys they, they basically campaigned together and they were running against a couple garbage people uh really mega rich insider trading awful trumpy just just yeah but very typical georgia republicans and you know right up until that morning the the regular prognosticators were like, yeah, all the fundamentals favor the Republicans. They're probably going to win. Right. And even though the polls were showing that, you know, Democrats had a slight lead. And besides all the polling problems, Georgia polling was pretty good. Yeah. Um, for other We stuff. were not getting our hopes up at all. No, we weren't. But we thought we had a chance. I knew we had a chance. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Georgia. You started to get a smile on your face about halfway through the night. Which hasn't happened in a while, to <laughs> not, be honest. Not when I'm watching so, elections. So yeah, election night is a little traumatic in our house, as you can imagine. Yeah. But you started to get this smile, and you just kept saying, "I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm not going to get excited." But you had this like smirking smile of like, "I think we're going to win." So I knew yeah. at that point that we had won it, um, just the same way that when you were did not have no. That at, face. A, at a certain point, while the while the on air people were still fumbling, I'm like. Yeah, Warnock's got it, and Ossoff's going to win between twenty and fifty th- by twenty and fifty thousand, and I think he's going to win by more like sixty thousand. Yeah. But in any event, um, yeah, Georgia elected a black guy and a Jew. Now I want to say a couple things about this. First of all, and people don't believe this until I tell them and have to show them the actual evidence. Um, th- whatever company they hired, their opponents ran ads where they used Photoshop to make John Ossoff's nose look bigger 
and Raphael Warnick's skin to look darker. And, and I'm not even wow. lying. Oh, no, of course you're not lying. That makes perfect sense to me. And John Ossoff's a good-looking guy anyway, so totally. it, it didn't make him look any worse. <laughs> he just right. had a little bigger nose. Everyone cannot stop talking about how handsome he is and how thirsty they are for him, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's know. a decent, I mean, he's a good-looking, he's a fine-looking fine man. Guy. Yes. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. not quite, not, we're not quite at, at, at Beto levels. But. Right. Well, he wasn't wearing a dress in a rock band in the '90s either, which that was sold for me. That was it for me and Beto. We were in. Cons- but in, in any event, um, they actually did this, and then they, yeah. they were forced. At first, they were like, "I don't know," and, the, and they were forced to apologize. But I mean, like once you do that, it should be over. But I mean, it's still Georgia, so you still think, okay, the white people are going to win. Totally, there's no way, right? So, do you honestly think? That the black guy and the Jew won in Georgia on the strength of white voters changing their mind? No. Of course Do you? Not. Does anyone believe that? Uh, Nate Silver and Andrew Sullivan. I mean, maybe. it's insane and so fucking racist and so fucking uh, on a, an elitist perch that I can't even fathom at this moment to imagine that magically white people changed their minds and elected a black guy and a Jew in Georgia and not that all the hard work that we've seen for years now is paying off all of the organizing work that has been yeah. laying the framework for something like this for years. And, and we can thank Trump a little bit for his uh, sabotage by saying for weeks and weeks, you know, Georgia was rigged, Georgia was rigged, Georgia was rigged. So enough Trumpy Republican voters were like, well, I'm not going to bother voting. Maybe not a not a huge percent of them, but like turnout was down in the super Trumpy areas. And, well, I mean, and turnout and, was up in black communities, right? Which makes sense. Also, with elections like these, you know, um, your typical white voter, you know, who voted in the presidential election may not necessarily vote in a special runoff election. Like a lot of people don't. It usually doesn't work that way. It's our people who don't show up for specials in midterms. Totally. And and that seems to have flipped. Well, again, like the groundwork, the framework for this has been being laid out by black organizers in Georgia for years and years and years and years. Not just Georgia, everywhere else. Let's rewind to 2018. Yeah. And, and Ilhan Omar and Ariana right. Presley and right. the squad. And and I know the squad sometimes says dumb shit and they inflamed and they fight with the whatever. That's not important. The point is, like, <laughs> those folks got to where they are on the strength of black voters. And if we were to continue to listen to people like Nate Silver and the New York Times and the Washington Post and NPR and NBC. And the old heads, yeah. Right? You would believe that it was impossible for any of this to happen. And instead of believing them, a bunch of organizers decided, I'm not giving up on my Senate seat and I'm not giving up on my House seat. I'm going to go organize the people in my community. I'm going to make sure they can get to the polls. I'm going to make sure they're registered to vote. I'm going to make sure that we have a huge turnout. That's been going on for years and it has paid off. And now we are seeing a a huge influx of voters in areas that the party has given up on and in areas that the media doesn't really even talk about because it's just assumed that it's like it always has been. And no one's paying attention to what's happening on the ground and what's happening on the ground is local black people being like, I don't want this anymore. We are organizing and it's been happening for years and nobody talks about it. And then they're like, it's shocking. Maybe it's the soccer moms. And it's no wonder people are fucking furious, right? It's like, how insulting is that? It's not the soccer moms. 
It is years and years and years and hours of backbreaking work and organizing to get to where we are today. Well, here's the thing. That that message really better get through to Biden and Pelosi. And it seems to. They're saying the right things. But, you know, if they fuck this up, then, you know, we'll go right back to losing the House or losing the Senate and be back in complete gridlock. Because if you were to listen to them and what they think and what the common wisdom is, the best advice, right? All the the best people in the industry, mm-hmm. don't waste money in that district. Don't waste money over there. Don't even go there. Don't campaign there. Don't talk about it. Yeah. You're never going to win there. Use your resources somewhere else. And so really what we're talking about when you watch the news, there's three or four potential seats that are flippable is how we look at it. Three or four out of 535 seats, right? And the organizers on the ground just said, that's not true. It's not true in my neighborhood and it's not going to be true in my state. And we're starting to see those returns and we're not identifying why that's true. Now, Col- Colorado is an exception. I mean, with the, with the, yes, we have, we do have a fairly robust Latino population, but really it's mostly white people. A lot of liberal white yeah. people here in Colorado. Yeah. And like, so like Vermont, right? We're super blue. It's not because of people of color, but Georgia and Texas, which is heading in the right direction, hasn't flipped yet. You know? Yeah. Um, those places are Arizona. Right. Yep. You know, that we were able to flip those seats because of people of color. And in Colorado, I will say there's been a lot of organizing among black and brown people in the local elections. Oh, yes, for we, sure. should, we should. Particularly that. on city council. Yeah. We got Candy Sidabaka, who is the most radical person. I mean, she's just a Denver city council person, but like that's a very powerful position in a major U.S. city. And... I mean, she's she and I agree on a lot of things, like most things in a way that like would make people very uncomfortable to think about. She's incredible. Mm -hmm. And again, she did not get elected because the establishment said that she could or that a bunch of the Democratic Party thing that we can get into. No, but I mean, I know people who went out, walked the streets in her neighborhoods (laughs) and talked about her um, and got her elected. So we have some of that. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're coming up on the break here. I just want to turn back real quick, though, to the Capitol, because a lot of people still have not fully absorbed what happened. Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about more of that later. But yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about impeachment and the 25th Amendment and why why Republicans really don't want to touch any of that. And it's got nothing to do <laughs> with the bullshit they're saying that it's time to heal divisions We'll get that, into that. I've got and, lots and, and to say about And it's not even about making the Trumpers mad. It's about way more insidious shit than that. Yes. That we're going to get into. But, you know, you need to pay attention to these videos and stories and audio that are coming out of what actually happened the other day. Yep. That is not to say that the government didn't nearly get overthrown because I don't think it did, but it could have been so much uglier. It could have been so much deadlier. Yes. It could have been horrifying in ways, you know. That it very fortunately wasn't this time. No. And, and like, if, if I was just a, like a heartless political beast, I would have been like, well, th- that would have been the, the true death of the Republican Party, which it might have. But we would have seen things happening in this country that only really do happen in, in third world countries or what they call banana republics or dictatorships. Um, we came really fucking close. We're not out of the woods. No, we're not. 
We're not. But this I happened. Think, I think it shook a lot of people. That the thing that I would like to drive home on that point is those people who did that. Those are not the only people who want to do that, and they don't just go crawl in a hole now. Those people still very much exist. They're even more mad now, and they're even more emboldened now, and yeah. we're going to get to that after the break, but, but we're the, not out of the woods here. No, but in the last 24 hours, it's actually the private sector, the tech companies, uh, and I don't know how much they're coordinating with the intelligence agencies on this, have really sucked a lot of the oxygen out of their ability to plan and organize. About fucking time, and we'll get to that too. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Reverend Testimony. So on the topic of chaos at the Capitol, which we're probably going to stick with for the rest of the show, I would imagine, um, we're going to, I'm going to read a story from uh, Reason.com, which has often been a bastion of libertarian garbage, but they've been pretty good lately. Okay. For whatever reason. Um, So... Justin Amash, who was the Republican guy who quit and then later said he's not Republican anymore, but kind of still is. I don't know. Anyway, you remember him from Michigan. No. Was he a congressman? Okay. Yeah. Amash's successor, Peter Meyer, M-E-I-J-E-R, I think is how you pronounce it. Trump's deceptions are rankly unfit. The rookie GOP congressman describes Capitol Hill chaos says that some Republicans who knew better voted against election certification out of physical fear and explains how serving in Iraq and Afghanistan made him want to, quote, end the endless wars. Representative Pete Meyer of Michigan, the Republican successor to retiring libertarian Justin Amash, this is why it's unreason, has had quite the week. I don't know if Amash was really a libertarian, but anyway. On Sunday, the 32-year-old Iraq-Afghanistan veteran and supermarket heir was sworn into office. Oh, yeah, Myers. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> On Tuesday, he joined a dozen GOP lawmakers, including such Amash pals as Representative Thomas Massey, garbage person, and Chip Roy, Texas, garbage person, in objecting to Republican attempts to delay or oppose the certification of Joe Biden as president-elect. So they tried to stop it, stop their colleagues from... Yeah. Doing this crazy shit. To unconstitutionally insert Congress into the center of the presidential election process would be amount to stealing power from the people and the states, they wrote. Correct. And on Wednesday, definitely didn't expect to be donning a smoke inhalation hood and having to get down under some chairs because there were concerns that they might start shooting into the House chambers, Meyer told me in a phone interview Thursday afternoon. The congressman was has withering words for elected Republicans who have spent the last 
the past nine weeks, filling protesters' ears with false conspiracy theories and unfillable hopes. They were being lied to. They were being misled, he said of the demonstrators. Some of my colleagues in Congress, they share responsibility for that. No, they own responsibility for that. Can we stop calling them demonstrators? Yeah. Many of them were fundraising off this stop the steel grift. They all were. I don't understand how you can look in the mirror and go to sleep at night without that weighing on your conscience. Oh, it's easy when you don't have one. I fundamentally do not. I'm, I'm going to obviously you can tell the stuff I'm interjecting, I hope, and don't think this is in the story. I'm just at a loss for words about how some of them have acted in ways that are just knowingly provably false and they know they're lying, too. I mean, he's 32. I guess he's, he hasn't been paying attention. He's a congressman and he is a Republican. So mm. eh. he's a white guy. So like this is new to me. He's allowed to have blinders on his whole life. No, I think he's being disingenuous, but OK. You know, that that when something like this happens, everybody, oh, this is shocking. I can't believe this. It's like, we're, we're not really all that shocked. We're, no. we're, we're upset. Well, I love how he's talking about the last nine weeks instead of the last four 30 years. years. Yeah, or at least the last four years, right? Yes. At least the last four years, if not the last 30, 40 years. Okay. That critique extends to President Donald Trump as well. Oh, good. We spoke an hour or two before the president's prize concession, which Meyer had been calling for, sort of concession, which he basically did at gunpoint. And on a day full of discussion about impeachment of the 25th Amendment, asked about the latter, the congressman said, among other things, it is very clear that how the president acted towards this whole scenario, his actions leading up to yesterday, and especially his unwillingness to come to grips with reality, is continuing to perpetuate this fraud, this deception, that is rankly unfit. An edited transcript of our conversation, including Meyer's desire to end the endless wars, is below. So how's your first week been? First week has been one to remember. We live in interesting times. Definitely didn't expect to be donning smoke inhalation hood and having to get down under some chairs because we're concerned they might start shooting in the house chambers, getting evacuated from the house chambers and running around in corridors to try to find a secure location, not knowing what was going on, who was where, and what was happening. So obviously it was, a cha- it was chaotic on that front. And then just the fact that finding pipe bombs all over the place... I think there were several to those, several of those at the DNC and the RNC. I think one of the ca- on the Capitol grounds, dudes breaking in with zip ties. You bring zip ties to take hostages, right? Yep. Well, or if you're into kink, but yeah, but usually those that and like an insurrection are not the first things that go hand in hand. Out. No, it's, you need consent too. So yeah, done right. I spent three years between in the in between Iraq and the military in Afghanistan where my job was to basically be paranoid about all the ways that humanitarian aid workers could die and to try to protect them from those worst case scenarios. So I tend to have a pretty dark imagination in terms of the possibilities that could occur. Hey, us too, and we weren't in war. But that's not how I wanted my first week to be as a member of the House of Representatives. (laughs) No, I'm sure you didn't. How was the scene of panic or fear level among your colleagues and even you? Was it a chaotic scene? Were people freaking out and losing it? Or was there some professionalism? Uh, There was definitely a good amount of professionalism. We saw some real leaders step up in that moment. There were some folks who stayed on the floor and helped the Capitol Police barricade the doors. Uh, You should ask Jason Crow. Should ask Joe Neguse like how that went down. Yeah. I don't know if you have his number, but you might. Uh, No, no comment. A couple of my colleagues, actually, from the freshman class, Pat Fallon, Tony Niels, Tony Gonzalez, were all kind of down there, all former military. I think having been in chaotic situations before, and I did disaster relief work as well, you know who would have been fine in this situation? Third graders. Yeah, we're going to talk about that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was doing search and rescue and other missions in Hurricane Sandy as the storm was coming in. And the thing you have to always do is realize that freaking out doesn't help anything. 
and to be the calm, cool, and collected voice, to have somebody just have that reassurance, because otherwise it just snowballs and a loud voice becomes louder and louder. By and large, we saw some order, but this is manifestly clear. There was an utter breakdown in security and protocols. Well, yeah, well, we're we're going to get to that, that too. Excessively. (laughs) And we did get to some places throughout the day where all of a sudden a group of 30 or 40 lawmakers, and we'd look around and realize that there were no Capitol Police. There was nobody, Mm. no law enforcement folks with us. Okay, this Mm. isn't good. So I think by by and large folks kept their calm, but in that moment you don't know what may happen. And then frankly, it obviously had a tragic ending because just the assault on our democracy and then four people dying, dozens of law enforcement personnel injured, several still in the hospital in serious condition, one died, I don't know if this was before that. It could have been a lot worse. And that was, I think, the outcome we were fearing. Did you get a sense, even a preliminary sense, of what the breakdown was on the part of the Capitol Police, who obviously were in a stressful situation, they were overrun and possibly outmanned. Do you have a sense of what went wrong from uh, their point of view? That's an interesting take on what happened. Yeah, we're going to get to that. I don't. I watched the president's oh, speech good. earlier in the day. I had fielded full phone calls from folks back in the district who knew people were coming out here, who knew folks were coming out here who were armed. The Capitol Police were aware. I'm really scratching my head. Oh. There will be a thorough investigation here. There's already been a bipartisan call for that. The rank-and-file Capitol Police did an excellent job at keeping members safe, but in terms of overall security plan, it failed. No, the plan was to let them in the front door. And we're going to get to it. The first time that we've had the Capitol Police overrun and outside of our control in over 200 years. I see a lot of words being used to describe this. You were in the building. You're a Republican. You see words like sedition, insurrection, coup, incitement on part of the president. Do those words fit? What words do you use to describe what happened yesterday and how that fits with the president's own involvement in this? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, in terms of people who stormed the Capitol, I think coup gives a sense of strategy and intelligence and forethought that none of the people involved deserve. That's not correct. Insurrection in terms of trying to disrupt the functioning of government, sedition in terms of acting in a way to try to violently overthrow, those terms fit. When it comes to the president's behavior, again, he certainly bears a share of responsibility for what happened. I was sitting in my office watching the speech that he was giving to the crowd, encouraging them to come to the Capitol, where he continued to talk about how this was a landslide election and that it was stolen from him. He believed the outcome on November 3rd could have been reversed by Congress. And I talked to a number of folks who believed that. And they believed that because they were being told that, right? They were being lied to. They were being misled. Some of my colleagues in Congress, they share responsibility for that. Many of them were fundraising off this stop the steel grift. I don't understand how you can look in the mirror and go to sleep at night with that weighing on your conscience. I fundamentally do not. I'm just at a loss for words at how some of them have acted in ways that are just knowingly provably false, and they know they're lying too. I mean, maybe I'm coming here with too naive an expectation of human capacity and decency, but I was also an interrogator in Iraq, so it's not like I'm a Pollyanna. I'm going to stop there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know if this guy's being disingenuous for the sake of giving a good interview or he doesn't know what the R next to his name really means at this point. But... I mean, he just started, right? So I don't think that he understands exactly how much works yet except an election. He's Mr. Smith goes to Washington is what you're saying? He's Jimmy Stewart? All all of them are, to some extent. Okay. um, When they get that job, right? I don't know what he did before this, (laughs) if he worked in state politics or not, but... Um, <clears throat> well, apparently he, he got back from war and did a little organizing and now he's this. Now he's this. Yeah. I mean, it's an entirely different uh, ball of wax than you realize. There's a whole boot camp that goes in for freshman um, 
members, right? Where they go for like a couple of weeks and figure out like, here's where your chair is. Like you're in kindergarten. And also like, here's how you actually make laws. Like you don't have to yeah, know any of that the, to get elected. And here are the committees and here's right. this Here's and that what and... you're going to be doing. Here's how this works here. You know, you don't have to be, you have to know anything to get elected. You just have to get elected. And so. Right. Then you go into your first meeting with your colleagues and it's all about, here's how you fundraise. Yes. Well, I mean, yes, that's more of a party thing, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think people who find themselves elected to public office who have not held public office before are often surprised at how it works. I'll just say that. (laughs) Okay. Fair. You know, I, I mean, it, it just seems weird that we are less naive than the actual people that are being elected, but we're also a little older and we've probably worked in politics longer. Yeah. So. Sounds like it. (laughs) Anyway, I don't really care about this guy. He he seems to be a decent guy for a Republican. Um, and he's saying the right things today. And, I mean, I, I don't think anybody could have, walking in on their first week as a new House member, thought, oh, there's going to be, this is going to happen, right? So, like, he's not invested in the party mechanisms that have been at play this whole time. It's not like he's friends with these people. He hasn't been in the rooms with these people. So for him to come into this and on like what day four or whatever, have this happen, like would be, I would think a really shocking thing, just like any other citizen who's not in the system would think of it as. So I think, yeah, he probably is stunned and, and is willing to say things like it is sedition. It is an insurrection because it fucking is. And he doesn't have any like politics floating around in his brain to say that that's not true. Let's talk about the Capitol police, the national guard or lack thereof until way later. And the videos and images we have seen of the cops basically letting the protesters walk in. I have a lot. Yeah, and again, and again, it's complicated, right? Because... It is and it isn't. Well, well, it's complicated in that we see scenes where cops are taking selfies with these people. We see scenes where cops are shooting some of them dead. We see scenes where cops are being, like, crushed to death almost. We see scenes where cops are opening the barricades so they can all come in. So, yes... It wasn't like the entire police force was in on this, but guess what? Some of them were complicit. So it's worse than that. Yeah. Um, And people like to, again, like to call me a lot of names and say that I'm a crazy person. But the truth of the matter is, and this has been borne out now that we know a little bit more and will continue to be borne out as we continue to learn more, that the Venn diagram of these rioters terrorists, whatever you want to call them. Um, And law enforcement is very nearly a circle. Um, The reason that law enforcement, like all these people are like, why is it so different from the Black Lives Matter protests? Why this? Why that? And every time I come back when we were, you know, in the thick of it in June and talk about like why it is this way, why are they treating these black people this way? Why are they reacting so violently to the police? It's always helpful to remind them that, like, that's not a bug. That's a feature of the system of law enforcement, right? Law enforcement was created really in its modern iteration, started with slave patrols in the South, right? Like, 
that was what law enforcement started as, was a way to track down slaves and bring them back. And then after emancipation, it was to disenfranchise and keep freed slaves in bondage. I mean, law enforcement is a long and rich history of white supremacy. Yeah, and, and I, I retweeted there was a, uh, a, a black Capitol policeman today who came out and said, he's, he said, what, what was it he said? He said, all those people, all those people storming the Capitol, they were calling me the N-word, they were threatening me, and my, the people I work with, my colleagues, they support these people yep. and, and Trump. And I'm like, yep. yeah, man. Take I, a badge I, off. Yeah. Take your fucking badge off. I, and you, do, you can get a different job. Yeah. So I have been ever, people that have done any amount of, you know, activism or organizing or anything, like understand that law enforcement, not just the feds, right, which we often talk about, like COINTELPRO and stuff like that, but law enforcement from the federal level all the way to the very, like, municipal level has always been complicit in white supremacy and has always, you know, made that function. And and they keep getting exposed. So, like, we're very aware that there's not just infiltrators, but that, like, when these things happen and then, you know, you, you see people's faces and they get identified, they're often law enforcement, yeah. they're ex-military, yeah. they're feds, they're whatever. In this case, I mean, everybody that I know was like, yeah, of course, right? But right. now we know that at least, this is just, it's only been a couple of days, right? At least six members of Republic of the Republican Party, I think mostly in state house positions, mm -hmm. have been identified as people who were present at the protests, not in their capacity as lawmakers, but in their capacity as rioters. That is just the people we know about. It will continue to unfold and we'll continue to learn about all the law enforcement people who were there. People inside law enforcement have been quoted as saying like, yeah, yeah, there was lots of people from sheriff's departments and police departments all over the country that came out for this. And some of them were the ones that were, you know, in the Senate or the House chambers with their zip ties and yeah. their weapons looking for senators or congressmen. Yeah. What were they there to do? Right, right. They weren't there to steal tchotchkes from Nancy Pelosi's desk as souvenirs. No. Not with zip ties and mace. No. And guns, ostensibly. And so when you ask, where was law enforcement? Why was this the case? What happened? It's like, what happened is exactly what was meant to happen, right? Like, where was law enforcement? Law enforcement either was complicit in this, like the, this, this notion that we have that like the, they didn't know, they couldn't have been prepared, whatever bullshit right whoa, whoa. like maxine waters says four days before this happened she said you know just like us maxine waters was getting all these reports from social media like they're planning something and it seems more nefarious and maybe more scary than normal yes maybe it's not the typical thing so she convened a meeting with capitol police and said you What's guys know plan? about this right like what is the plan here what's the security plan and they kind of poo-pooed it. And they kind of were like, don't be an insane, you know, hysterical black woman about it. And so it's not like they didn't know. It's not like they don't have the capacity or ability to look at social media. I can tell you for a fact that they knew when all of the Black Lives Matters protests were going to be happening. <laughs> they sure did. Including a fucking vigil, a violin vigil that they came in and tear gassed and rubber bullets and broke car windows and gassed people and arrested them and beat them, right? They have the capacity to know exactly where these people are gonna be, what their intentions are, and they don't, it's not even that they don't care. It's that there is 
it is it's a part of the system. They these are their people. Yeah, they agree with them, yes. right? These are their people, and if they weren't on duty, a lot of them would have been among the protesters. And the ones, a lot of them were off-duty cops and, and ex-military, so that also makes them like highly trained. And it also means <clears throat> there was reports that have since been confirmed that a lot of these people were flashing their law enforcement badges yeah. and their ex-military badges to the Capitol Police, and they, that is one of the reasons that they were letting them in. Like, they know that these people are in law enforcement. They all know each other, right? Like, this is not just a bunch of, like, bumpkins from, you know, whatever you think of who are Trump supporters. I mean, a supporters. few of them were. They're the ones that are getting most of the press, right? The right. guy that put his feet on Pelosi's desk, the Florida guy who stole the... The gavel. Which we happen to have a connection to where we work. Oh, really? Yeah. I can't wait to hear about that. I yeah. didn't know that. I will not talk about it on the air. But like, but yeah, no, those guys probably were just idiot bumpkins. Right. Were. But the dangerous people, right? Um, and it's not like, oh, they got fired from being a cop and now they're mad. So like they're going to protest. Like these are people who currently work in law enforcement, mm-hmm. who currently carry a badge and these are their beliefs so much so that they like got the day off work, went to Washington and stormed the Capitol building in an attempt at an attempted coup and in an attempt to assassinate and kidnap lawmakers. Right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and so how can you draw any then other conclusion? When you go back to the things that we were protesting over the summer, right? Racism present in law enforcement, law enforcement overreach, lack of accountability. You can't separate the two. No. You have to say these are the same fucking people. The same people who stormed the Capitol are going to go home tomorrow, put on a badge and drive around and harass black people and murder black people in the streets. It is connected. And so when you're like, what happened? Where were the cops? It's like, where were the cops? They were rioting. And also, (laughs) like, they were letting their friends in. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. There was a funny tweet, but it rings true. Like, y'all are asking where the cops are. Do you ask where Hannah is or where, where Miley is when Hannah's on stage? Yeah. Right? Like... It's the same thing. The Venn diagram is almost a circle. And certainly there are people in law enforcement who are not Nazis. That's certainly true. Yeah. So quit your job is my suggestion. Um, but, but the system itself of law enforcement, this is what it's meant to do. It is meant to do things like this. And so it's not a surprise to me or to anybody that I know that no, this is no, the reaction is the least, of law enforcement. This was the least surprising part of any of this. Right. The breathlessness of the journalists that I was listening to, on, even how on MSNBC. This, how the failure. How could this happen? They kept what? referring to it as a failure. Right. And like, were they just unprepared? Did no one tell them? And it's like, Well, first of all, what? Trump, uh, we're going to find out, obviously. <laughs> that Trump and high-level Republicans gave the order for the National Guard not to be there. That's correct. That was actually, I was just reading that on Twitter. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna know that. There's and, some army term for it, which is like hold the barracks or something. Like they, mm-hmm. they were held back intentionally from going to respond. Yes. The National Guard. Yeah. So yeah. that's one element of it. And, and another element of it is just like you say, they're, they're put in a position there where people they agree with are trying to take an action that they wish they could be a part of or at least are sympathetic to. And then that's not all of them. Right. Granted. And like, if you think about people that you agree with, you tend to think of them as people who either, you know, I know for me when I, people that I tend to agree with who may do things that are outside of the norm or things that might not technically be by the rule of the letter of the law. Um, I tend to look at them and think of them in a way that may be more, um, 
you know, favorable. Sympathetic. Right, sympathetic. And certainly people that you know and people that are like you, you tend to think aren't going to do something really dangerous. They're not going to murder people, right? Yeah, if our, if our friends say, we're going down to the Capitol to protest, right. we're going to be like, okay, be safe. Right. And if we if we find out that we'll they... Write this number on your arm. There's lots of security measures you do when yeah. you're going to go do that. But yes. If we found out they assaulted people or randomly were like smashing cars, we wouldn't approve of that. Um, but we wouldn't have like tried to stop them because we didn't think they were going to do that. Right. Is that is that kind of what you mean? I think that like I was just trying to be sort of empathetic and think like, you know... If you know that a bunch of people that agree with you are coming to protest, it does take a certain level of mental gymnastics to like not look at what they're planning to do, which they very publicly talked about online. When they're clearly a a, a frenzied, angry mob that is trying to get into the Capitol while you know there's a joint session of Congress happening, I think that's another level. It is, right? It totally is. It totally is. And like, even when I try to be on their side it's impossible it just really is and like that's the thing that was so frustrating was watching all of these pundits just be shocked i can't believe it i don't know what's happening why aren't the cops there did they get overrun was did everyone go on are they somewhere else and it's like no they're not somewhere they're doing exactly what they're intended to do like this is not surprising and it's not a lack of not knowing it's not a lack of not trying it's not a lack of intelligence it's not any of that Mm -hmm. it's none of it and we have seen it firsthand in our community how this works. And in certain ways that I can't talk about, but like there are, it is absolutely a feature of the system that this is how this works. And it is, it should not be lost on anyone. And I, I guess I'm happy that like some of the uh, pundits were like, this is not how Black Lives Matter people were being protested or protesters were being treated. And well, certainly like, like people like Joanne Reed, you know, went off yes. the chain. Yes. I mean, I think that. once that was said, like, out loud in a newsroom everyone was like oh no right like this isn't just a problem of like hey joe biden said it no so i was talking to alethea about this and she was like i know why they're doing it and i get it that it might be like it's cynical or whatever but she's like i just take such joy and every time they call these people thugs because that is the term that they have leveled against my people no matter what they do a fucking kid in a park with a bb gun gets murdered and called a thug right but you never say that about like, a, a white person say say what you want about joe biden okay and we've had plenty to say about him he wasn't our he wasn't even our eighth choice no joe wednesday night while the smoke was still in the air, Joe Biden said, if this was a Black Lives Matter protest, this right. shit would not have happened. Right. Right. That's ballsy. Right. And called them thugs. The next president of the United States called a bunch of white people thugs. And that is not something that we see. And it's not everywhere. Right. It, there's still a problem. This woman that was murdered um, while, you know, attempting an insurrection. Um is being painted in the media, right? As like, it's really sad. Um, it is she a, was it, a veteran, it, yeah. right? And they keep talking about like her life and all of her accomplishments. Yeah. And that does not happen when black people are murdered. No. And no, black what people they talk that about, were murdered what they were talk, not... When, when a black person's murdered, they talk about their rap sheet. And these are people, these people that we're protesting about in terms of black lives are not black people that were in the commission of committing a violent crime at the time that they were killed. Of course not. Those are not the things we protest about. No. Right? Those things shouldn't happen either. But those are not the things that we protest about. We protest about 
innocent black people, unarmed black people, children, people sleeping in their homes being murdered for no reason with impunity and with no accountability to law enforcement. That's what we're protesting. Not someone who was literally in the during the commission of a violent crime being killed. Yeah, that sucks. For sure. What's but sad, like, what's sad what, is how this woman was brainwashed by the right-wing media machine. And I, I do want to segue to that now. Okay, um, because I could talk about cops forever. Sure, sure. But yeah, I just think it's important to like really think about law enforcement and like when people say we can't possibly defund the police because who will keep us safe? Who is us? Right? Really think about that. Who's us? Because us isn't me. Right? It's not you. Us is a real specific group of people. And it's the thing I always tell people, right? When you look at clashes between you know, fascists and anti-fascists or Black Lives Matter and, and, you know, fucking Nazis, right? And you look at what law enforcement is doing. You always look to where, to whom they have their backs turned. Yeah, And that's course. to whom they trust, right? And yeah. it's always the Nazis. They're always guarding the Nazis. Their backs are always turned to the Nazis and their tear gas canisters and their rubber bullets and their literal guns are always pointed at the people that are peacefully protesting. Yep. And that is just... In this case, there just weren't any black people protesting, counter-protesting, right? So it was just their own people. And so there was no one for them to turn no, their guns li- on. In light and of they this, didn't turn their guns on anyone because there was no one there for them to turn their in, guns on. In light on. of this, the first the first knee-jerk reaction was, oh, it was Antifa undercover. And, and of course, you, you, have, I, you have Republican elected officials in the crowd, so honestly, that doesn't work. I have not talked to my dad about it because I know that's what he's going to say. I don't like, think he's I even going to bother I will literally lose point. my mind. Um, but you can't say that it's Antifa when you have people who are publicly Trump supporters saying, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I just did. Here's why I did it. Right. Making these video here's my diaries. My Facebook profile. Here's everything. I work in this Oh, also I'm an elected Republican right, representative. Right. And then be like, oh, it's Antifa. Like I... No, no. That, well, no one buys that. But no, it, I mean, I think that for a minute, and I think some people still will, right? The well, same people that think sure. paid protesters and let's talk whatever. about social media, though. Yeah. So yesterday, yeah. Trump got perma banned from Twitter. <laughs> um, he got perma banned from Facebook and Instagram and Instagram and TikTok and TikTok and the the uh, Twitter alternative parlor, which was exploding with all the right wingers going over there, yeah. is go is about to go dark yeah. and possibly permanently. And yes, yes, big tech is colluding and getting together and and making all these people go dark because they are very their lawyers are very worried about their culpability. Yep. In helping organize this. How many hearings have there been on Capitol Hill? in which we have taken these tech billionaires and CEOs and said to them, are you saying you can't do anything? And they, they, they come with all these metrics and all these things. No, there's nothing that can be done. We're doing the best we can. We're learning on the fly. 
it's impossible to really know. You know, we want to protect free speech. We want to protect the marketplace of ideas. You know, political speech should never be censored. All this shit they've been saying all this whole time. Mm -hmm. And then something like this happens, which is a big deal. And we cannot lose sight of that. Now, hold on a second. As far as Facebook goes, shit like this has been happening in other countries now for a couple of years. Yeah. With two deadly results. Right. And they keep shrugging about it. Right. But when it happens right here, right. you can't ignore, you, you know, that's not going to be ignored. Well, those same lawmakers, right, that they just fed a bunch of lies to over the last four years have now been like threatened and like had to hide know, under the barricaded yeah. and like we're afraid they were going to be shot to death. So I don't think they're going to take very kindly to there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And certainly there's, no, they'll shut there's their potential culpability here. Right. So all of that was bullshit. There was always something course, they could have done. Of course. Um, and this idea that like we're silencing people because we're kicking them off of Twitter or parlors going away. It's like, well, they're private companies. They're, and, these are private companies. Yeah, it's not I mean, the that, government. Isn't, isn't that what you've always told us? And like Donald Trump is not being silenced. He literally is the president of the United States. Yes, he could get off his lazy ass and he could call, he could get on camera, he could call into Fox News, he'd call into any of the networks. He could call any reporter. Yeah. He could walk outside and be like, is there a reporter around? Yeah. He could contact his press secretary, he could make a statement through the White House. I mean, this idea that like he can't just like spew bullshit everywhere on Twitter (laughs) means that we're like, violating his free speech is just ridiculous. Um, obviously, obviously. And the free speech, freedom of speech has always had limitations. It's always had limitations. And this is one of those situations in which it's necessary, right? Now, here's the thing that people are saying, like, this is very dangerous. Yeah. Now there's no outlet. They And it's like, yeah. that might be true. But, Listen. But on the other hand, this was all organized via social media. Listen, it's bullshit. It's always been bullshit. It's always been bullshit, right? So when the Berkeley kids protested Milo coming into campus and everyone was like, oh my God, you can't deplatform these people, right? Mm -hmm. When you deplatform them, it makes them into martyrs (laughs) and then they have nowhere to go and then they just get more and more extreme. Do you know what happened? Yeah, he got deplatformed, and nobody's fucking heard of him. No, he's not a thing anymore. Nobody knows his name. Nobody cares about him. Nobody's talking to him. Your average person forgot he existed. You bring up Milo Yiannopoulos. They're like, who? Who? What? That guy that owns the Greek restaurant. Who? Right. Yeah. Right. Deplatforming is an incredibly effective tool for silencing fucking Nazis. Like, incredibly effective, and we've always known that, Mm. and they knew it too. But it is... Well, it took an event like this to... Re- oh, I guess they really are that dangerous. Facebook should know better. And Mark Zuckerberg is one of the worst people alive. Yes. Um, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're in that weird semi-hypocritical space where we still are on Facebook. Well, and Twitter can go fuck itself, frankly. You know, the number of years now that they've been telling women... Um, rape threats don't matter. Death threats don't matter. There's nothing we can do. It's free speech. Don't feed the trolls. We can't deplatform people. They just, you know, it's absolutely horseshit. There's always been something they can do. They have no will to do it. Mm -hmm. And it took this to do it, not because they went, oh my God, we've been feeding into this problem. We feel really bad. They don't give a shit. It's been better for their bottom line to continue to allow this kind of rhetoric to exist on their platforms. And the only reason they're stopping is because their lawyers are like, you could go to jail. Oh, yeah. So and, like, and in 10 days, stop. you're going to have a 
Democratic president and Congress. And attorney general. Yeah. You're going to have a Democratic attorney general who's going to go, hmm, how many people's feet should we be laying this at exactly? And it's not just going to be the guy carrying the podium, right? Mm -hmm. And the guy with his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk. It's going to be a lot of people who are culpable for this. Right. And that includes the lawmakers who were there, and it also includes the ones who weren't, right? The people, and, and that's the other thing, right? Like this whole, it's not just Twitter and Facebook, right? That are coming around and being like, this actually is dangerous. It's a bunch of Republicans. It's a bunch of yeah. uh, people who have been working in his cabinet, right? Working for him directly, including Mike Pence, They're right? They're all jumping ship. They're all jumping ship and everyone's like, it's so courageous. And it's like, <laughs> is it courageous? Uh, for two weeks before your job ends anyway to quit after an attempted coup like no, did you read Alexandra started did you read uh, Alexandra Petrie's no what she has she... a column about a, a stormtrooper leaving the Death Star before it's about to explode right right <laughs> like this is not profiles and courage right. here people this is like the it's so far below the bar for the bare minimum that like I don't I am not compelled I don't care like, well, that's why and this is why they're doing it. Right. Because I think it was just yesterday or Thursday they were planning to do this again. Yeah. And I think that's when the tech companies were like, we got to take the air out of this. Right. Well, like they were going to let Trump still be on Twitter and then because he gave his speech or whatever. And then he tweeted some more tr- typical Trump shit. And they cut him off mid sentence, I heard, which yeah. I think is pretty great. Um yeah. Didn't even let him finish his rant, which, like, imagining him, how angry he is, we'll get to in a second. But, but the point is this. Everybody's very scared. They're, they're planning something else. And I'm, yeah. and I'm telling you, without their ability to coordinate yep. on social media, yep. they're not probably going to be able to. They can send each other telegrams, right? They can text each other. Do they have each other's phone numbers? That's the whole thing. Right. The whole point of deplatforming Nazis is because it completely destabilizes their movement. Yeah. Completely. It has to become And now we've become so local. reliant on social media. Well, yeah, because before it was local chapters of the KKK, right? And they had this larger organization, but like they... And they'll have to go back to that. Oh, right. now it's COVID, but... Right. But so like they had to like put ads out in newspapers, right? If you've seen the Black Klansmen or heard the story. Um... They didn't. It's hard to find other Nazis, especially when being a Nazi is not that popular thing to be. And social media just made it a not that bad, I guess, and really easy to find each other and really easy to coordinate shit like this. Well, that was the really interesting part about um, when we were watching that show about Phyllis Schlafly. She got yeah. the donor lists. Yes. And or yes. built built the donor lists. Built the donor lists. Yeah, essentially yes. did. So they're gonna have to go back to doing grassroots uh, grassroots fascist movement, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, but for the immediate time being, for the next few weeks, while Trump is still president, uh, the tech companies have actually made it very hard for them to organize. Yes. And I want to read this tweet really quick while yeah. we're on the subject, because I think it's fucking perfect and brilliant and true. Um, and I don't want to, you know, there's so many, so many good ones. Um, but <laughs> this is a good one. History will judge them, says the country with thousands of statues and memorials to Confederates. That's not the one I wanted to um, read to you, but here it is. I am imploring you to understand that this is what happens when fascists don't get the shit beaten out of them earlier in the process. Mm -hmm. Right? 
This goes for punching Nazis in the face. It also goes for punching them off of Twitter and off of Facebook and off of social media. It goes for quelling this. You have to beat the shit out of them in every way possible. And if you don't, this is what happens. If you allow it to be part of the public discourse as a debatable topic. High NPR. High NPR. We've both sized ourselves into a coup, as someone on Twitter said, right? Like white people, she said, did, which is true, right? We have allowed this to become a debatable topic again when for many, many years it was not. And when that happens, the rise of fascism happens fucking quickly. Yes. And that is what we just saw. There's no question about it. So I don't want to hear anymore of like, it's mean to punch people and we should be nice and we should, how are we going to unify and what about these people? What about their feelings? Like, I don't give a shit about the feelings of Nazis should not be a controversial thing to say. No. At all. So, a couple things. Um, I want to talk about um, impeachment in the 25th Amendment. So, the the 25th Amendment looks like it's out. There's a lot of machinations that go into that. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. This was a year ago it would happen. The Democrats are still very much talking about bringing new impeachment articles. Yeah. Um, And the point of that, if you don't understand, goes beyond like getting Mm -hmm. Trump out of office a couple days before he's term is up right it's that if you know he's convicted in the trial assuming we get one um that means he can't serve again it's more important than that from a historical perspective yeah yeah michael hobbs does a really good dive on this and i'm sure he'll talk about it more in depth hopefully but just he's like as a michael hobbs if you're wrong about the greatest podcast of all time um (laughs) who literally does a podcast about like what happens when the nation misremembers a thing as it's happening yes. and what that does to history and yes. what that does to how we remember it historically. It's very much in line with what we were talking about with Confederate flags and soldiers, doing right? This one in five years. Daughters of the American revolution, right? Yeah. Like just rewrote history. And that's yeah. why we were like, we can't take the statue down. It's history. And you're like, well, let's put up in 1965. Right. Um, right. So same thing here. It's historically important to punish him. Because if we don't, and we say, well, he's going to be out of office in two weeks anyway, what does it really matter? Then there's really no record that like we thought it was bad. Yeah. Whereas if you impeach and remove him, I don't care how far away he is from being out of office anyway. It is a clear delineation in the history books of like, this was bad. It was bad at the time. It was bad enough at the time. And he was dangerous enough. We felt at the time that we needed to remove him even though he was going to be out of office in two weeks anyway. Yeah. That's how big of a deal this actually is, yeah. right? Yeah. It's the difference between, who was it that somebody was saying the other day, like Nixon and somebody else, right? Like, um, when we make a big deal about this and we we do something about it, history goes like, that was really bad. Like, this is way worse than Watergate, right? What has just happened. And if we do nothing to this president, which is what we've done so far, um, there's no reason that history won't just write the Trump presidency as a sort of joke. If he was smart, he'd resign. He, I don't think he has the constitution physically, the capacity in his person to do that. No. I don't think he, he could. Plus he despises Pence now. Yeah. But in any event, I, I okay, so it, it's pretty hilarious the things Republicans are saying right now, darkly hilarious, that now is the time for reconciliation yeah. and healing. And right. Cruz is out there talking about, he's singing Kumbaya. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He, here's why they impose impeachment. It's not because they're 
okay, maybe it's because of fundraising and being scared of being primaried, but it's really this. We get to a full-on impeachment hearing, and we're going to have hearings about everything that happened anyway. Yes. But we get to full-on impeachment hearings like next week while everything is fresh. Uh, we're going to uncover a lot of shit that elected Republicans do not want uncovered about the planning and execution of yeah. what happened on Wednesday. That's right. I am telling you right now. Yep. You know, Rachel Maddow might wink at this. She's not going to say it. And the other completely daft, you know, cable news hosts are not going to put two and two together on this. There was organization and coordination. And granted, maybe some of them didn't know how far it was going to go. And then people were going to show up in zip ties and, right. and try to lynch Mike Pence. Right. But th- there was much more than sort of tacit allowance of this. There was planning and coordination. Yep. Yeah, sitting I mean, rem- rem- members of Congress. Yes, I agree. I completely, completely agree with that. And that and, will, that will come out eventually, but yeah, boy, if it came out in a week or two, yeah, well, everything's still hot and burning. People are still real fucking upset. Yeah, yeah, and like this is really upsetting. Now, people like Romney have had enough. He wants to out all his shitty Republican colleagues. Yeah, yeah. probably. Um, Murkowski, it seems like too. She's even threatening to to leave the party. I doubt it. But Again, fuck you. No, yeah, no, fuck you entirely. Right, but w- everything before this was fine. Is my serious question to people who are doing this? Right. Yeah. I want to ask Betsy DeVos. I want to ask Lisa Murkowski. I want to ask these people. Oh, it, it's this it's, is it's the point CYA. that's too much. It's all CYA, obviously. Right, but like I am not. They, they, all these people are like, oh my god, the courage. I well, I'm so proud of this person. I was like, "Fuck you! Why? Who's, Why? Who's saying that? All okay. kinds of people, all over the place. God. I've read multiple editorials that are just like, well, look at, see, this is the dawn of the new Republican Party oh, with these people God. resigning. They're showing their true spirit and patriotism because they won't stand for let's insurrection. Talk about and let's, it's like, what the fuck are you talking? Let's about? Let's talk about that for a hot second. The quote, "New Republican Party." Yeah. If you can remember, go back to 2008. Mm-hmm. When Republicans just got shellacked up yeah. and down the board. Yeah. You even had people like Sean Hannity being like, you know, maybe we need to walk back some of this immigration stuff and some yeah. of the racist stuff. Right. Like he said that on the air. And the core said, fuck no, we need to double down. Like even John McCain, who was running opposition to Barack Obama in 2008, was like, dial down the rhetoric on the birtherism stuff. Like, no, he's a decent American and he's not a terrorist and he's not a Muslim. And like, yeah. And the part the base was like, fuck you. No, no, we got to double down Mm -hmm. and go harder. Mm -hmm. And that's 100%. And that led us to Trump. Yeah. And they're not about to, they're not about to moderate now. Like these Lincoln Project people, you know, they're whistling past the graveyard. Maybe not so much today as they're understanding more of what happened, but like Wednesday night and Thursday, they were like, Okay, finally, now we can, you know, we can get our party back. It's like, right. no, 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 it is. It's, it's the Trump party. In fact, it may fucking split into two. Yeah. We've been talking about that for a while, but like now's the time where it just goddamn might. Yeah. Especially if people like Cruz and Holly go, you know, I might be, my political career might be dead, but I still need to make a shit bazillion dollars. Yeah. Right. I mean, I also think, like, I don't know if there's enough Republicans, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but left that don't kind of, I mean, agree with, they, they're fine with it. At oh, no, there, least, there's plenty of right? Those, right? Like, he would not have won if that weren't true. 
And he wouldn't have come close to winning if that weren't still true. And so I don't know that there's going to be a split inside the Republican Party as much as there is just no. going to be a civil war. The, well, yeah, the civil war. And then there's going to be a lot of retconning by yeah. all the Republicans. They're just going to yeah. pretend this never happened. They're going to pretend right. Trump never happened. Right. But the problem is the base not going to let them. No. Right. So Trump you, is now a martyr. Yes. Whether, whether he serves out his term or not and gets impeached or not. He is now a martyr. Yeah. The election Mike, was stolen from him. And Mike Pence was Judas. Yes. <laughs> so good That's luck. right. That's right. And you cannot win a Republican primary if you go in talking about how the president is a traitor. Like, you cannot win a Republican primary. Not right now. And I don't see in the next four to 20 years that you go in saying, like, we went too far. Racism is a problem. Immigrants are not terrible. I mean, there was just a story out the other day that some fucking asshole piece of shit state was like we're not going to vaccinate illegal immigrants with yeah. the covid vaccine like nebraska that was the nebraska governor it's the stupidest thing i've ever heard because how does that help contain the coronavirus as though if you're a legal citizen and you come into contact with an illegal citizen that you refuse to vaccinate your citizenship's going to protect you from getting coronavirus <laughs> from an illegal that makes a lot of sense yeah. right that makes a lot of sense but also like there is no indication that I'm getting from anyone that like this rhetoric is going to be dialed back anytime soon. And if you try, you're just going to lose. Yeah, you're going to lose your primary. You're not going to be able to fundraise. You could uh, now. Fuck just get you, more you, and more extreme. Or you might get lynched. That's kind of yeah. where we are now, too. Right. Like right. that. The part of the article I didn't get to was like, yeah, my colleagues are lying about all this election stealing shit because they're literally worried for themselves and their families. That's right. how far we've gotten. Right. Now, that shit may cool down in a month or two. I might. Maybe. Well, I doubt it. Well, without the social media echo chamber, it might. Maybe. People, even the, the crazy, the crazy, even the crazy people, when you isolate them from this stuff. Yes. And they have a chance to yes. go catch their breath. That's the thing about deplatforming that yeah. people don't understand. Like, yeah, they're going to be really, 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 really fucking pissed for a couple of weeks because they can't go on this addiction that they have. Right. The, yeah. That their brain needs the stimulation of constantly being told that reinforcing right, their beliefs, reinforcing yes. their beliefs and reinforcing like that violence is good and like. They, they have this rage. And, and, and our dads didn't show up in Washington, D.C., but right. we know how they get right. and how they work themselves up. Right. And then when they exactly. back off and catch a breath, they sound more like sane people. Right. So it works because you're going to, even if there is going to be a section of people that already exist and already are this way, social media or no. Yeah, you're right. But they're going to be in a, a hole by themselves and maybe they've got like Jim's cell phone number so Jim and him can get themselves all worked up sure, but it's but not you have, you have a much tens of thousands of people yes. talking you're gonna have a much larger pool of people that like oh shit this guy's not on Twitter anymore what about Parler oh I can't get on Parler oh oh fuck it I'm gonna go fishing right right right. I'm gonna go skeet shooting right whatever. right I'm gonna go to a gun range and get you know shoot my frustrations off sure go camping right I need to get out of here for a while I'm gonna go to Alaska whatever right, right? but it's not gonna be okay, well, that didn't work, but right. it almost did. So now in a week, let's do this. Inauguration's coming up. Like Now, they, we, can't, now we can't be sure about that. We're not guaranteeing no, no, no. whether shit's going to happen. I, I, I would almost guarantee definitely more things are going to happen. Just, I think it was yesterday or today, um, there was another giant protest outside of uh, Mitch McConnell's in Kentucky um, <laughs> demanding oh, that he overturn the... Uh, election results nationwide because he's 
as he can the just majority leader do that. Um, that's not how that works. Sure, but they didn't raid his house and smash his windows. No, but like there, I I have no doubt that there will be more violence to come before mm. and by and on inauguration. Yes, day. but it may not be as well organized yes. or in large numbers. Yes, and eventually, hopefully, yes. with the air taken out of. It'll peter out. Now, a lot of things could happen. Yeah. Remember, all these fucking Trump judges got appointed. Yep. So you you might have a lawsuit and some yep. some fucking judge might say, no, Twitter, you have to let Donald Trump yep. back yep. online. Now, that wouldn't, oh, yeah. make, they wouldn't make any sense with any law. But, no, but they can still yeah. try it and then they'll get overturned. But yeah, no, I mean, all kinds of crazy shit can happen. Sure. Um, not in the next two weeks, which is the nice thing about the Hopefully. way our system works. Hopefully. Case court cases just don't it just doesn't work that way like things I, take a long I, time. I suppose Rudy Giuliani. Well, I mean he's a terrible lawyer, but let's say he had was semi competent for five minutes, and he 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 brought an emergency petition to the Supreme Court to have Trump back on Twitter, and they could, <laughs> you know, file a stay or an injunction. To they will <laughs> not hear it. They would not hear it. I I, I know. There's I, no constitutional basis for it, right? Sure, sure. Probably not. I mean, the Supreme Court won't. That does not mean that some fucking lower court Circuit judges court. are going to fucking hear some bullshit because they are. But the point is, it is going to help, I think. And I know that deplatforming these kind of people helps. Yes. It works. It also, I guess, in some way negatively impacts the bottom line of social media companies, which if you've ever met me, you already know I could give. There's nothing on earth I care less about than that. Um, so, uh, but well, I think it's an answer for why they haven't done it yet. I think their plan is once things cool down, is to phase them back in. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're permanently banning the, the all the crazy super right wing Trumpists. No, no. I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Well, what else is there left to say at this point? I mean, things are fluid in motion. By this time tomorrow, things yeah. could look completely different. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And I don't, I don't mean to be a dick, but like, I fucking told you <laughs> all. <laughs> like, there is something fundamentally different, right, about leftist and right-wing movements. And there may be some overlap in that there is a general distrust of the state or of government or certain government functions. But fundamentally, you know, because my dad always tries to both sides me on this whenever I bring up, you know, armed insurrectionists or like, you know, just crazy white men with guns doing crazy shit. Um, well, your side's no better, blah, blah, blah. And the difference, I think, fundamentally is, number one, what, if you just want to look at the events of the summer, right, like what we were protesting wasn't having our feelings hurt because <laughs> our guy didn't win an election or, um, and I just think that, like, the intent of the people involved is very different. And the the level of, misinformation is different um they're just two totally different animals but i think the fundamental difference is like i may want to burn everything down because i think that the system is corrupt and and unfair 
in ways, but like we don't do things like this. We don't take mm-hmm. guns and try to, you know, hold people hostage and murder people in the streets. It's just not a thing that we do. No. And it just isn't. And it, it's really not a fair comparison ever. Well, I think it finally shook a lot of people up, right? I hope so. I think there were a lot of sort of blank slate, yeah, both sides are bad mm-hmm. people that were like, oh, mm-hmm. wait. No. I mean, even Josh, right? He was like, you know, you guys are also go way too far sometimes and you scare people off like people sure, like me. Sure. And he's talking about things like wiping student loan debt, you know? Right. Which he's a he's for, but he's like, you can't say that out loud. It's too extreme. <laughs> and I think for somebody like him, he's going to look at this and the next time he wants to be like, but your side's extreme too, I'm going to be like, yes, because wanting to rid future generations of crippling debt is the exact same thing as trying to violently overthrow the government. That makes sense to you still or not so much? I guess is all I'm trying to say is like, we have been saying these people are scary yeah, and they are dangerous and and they are dangerous. And this is not a joke. This is not, Oh, Trump's just some blithering idiot, you know, old, whatever, all these insults that we throw around about him. It's not about that. It's about the people that listen to him, the people that find themselves aggrieved in one way or another for bullshit reasons that have guns and are armed and, and you know, the militia movement and all of that, it's all wrapped up in there and these people are serious and we just saw an example of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not to be taken lightly. Um, I do have to say, and we've said it a million times, whatever sympathy or understanding I had for the Stein voters and the Johnson voters and the non-voters is now gone. Um, you never had it. We maybe maybe <laughs> there was a sliver of it there, but we told you what was at stake. Yeah. Um, and and you wouldn't believe us. Um, and now you you see what the result of that is. Right. Um, there's almost four hundred thousand people dead from a, from a plague that we haven't even talked about. Yeah. On this two hour podcast. Yeah. And it's raging out of control, and it's destroyed our economy. And and now, with what has happened, um, yeah. y- you fucked up. And if you never come to terms with that, I never want to have anything to do with you. Right. And those and that's going to include some people I, I actually do like. Yeah. And that I'm friends with, or that I was. Yeah. Um, I have to. Draw, and it's okay. I have to draw the line somewhere. And it's okay to say, you know, I was wrong. I was wrong and I shouldn't have voted that way or I should have done something different and I didn't listen, you know? Um, I'm never going to tell you that you have to have liked or like Hillary Clinton. I'm never going to tell you that you have to like or have liked Joe Biden. I'm never going to have to tell you you have to like or have liked or called yourself a Democrat. That's not what this is about. Right. This is about being in position to make a difference to prevent death and destruction. Yeah. And you did. Yeah. And you should have known better. And if you didn't and you want to come to terms with that and admit you fucked up, I can accept that. If yeah. you still want to hold this line, yeah. that it somehow wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. Um, That's where I can't. I, I, I'm done. I have yeah. nothing else to say to you. I haven't for a while, but yeah. Um, and I want to end our 
um, this episode on a bit of a movie review. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I made us watch uh, Downfall last night. Which um, I thought I had seen. I had not. Yeah, which is, it's a, it's a very painstaking, almost moment by moment um, dramatization of the final days of Hitler and the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Battle of Berlin raging. And yeah, there's a lot of parallels, obviously. I mean, there's stuff we have to guess about because we don't know the details. Yeah. But um, it, it more for me was an interesting study in... And the movie's actually bookended with this one character who's just a secretary sort of trying to defend herself in a way and explain just being a rank and file Nazi. Except that she was in the very inner sanctum, right? She's yes. in the bunker and one of his most like trusted and beloved uh workers. Not that she had anything to do with the war or anything else, like any like decision making. She was his secretary, but and she was like I can 22. tell you yeah. I have been people's assistants and secretaries for a long time yeah. and um That's one reason I thought you might find the movie interesting because yeah. it's from her perspective You kinda. do have Absolutely. You have a lot more power than people realize. Um, and you do know way more than people think you know. And so her sort of at the end being like, well, I, I didn't, didn't really know, know anything. It's like, Bullshit lady, secretary to secretary, you know everything. Well, you know more than the generals on the ground know about what's going on because you are that close well, to there him. Well, there period. are scenes where she's taking down his will and he's like, right. well, I, f- I failed, but at least I killed a lot of Jews. Right. And she brushes it off as he's so kind, and then sometimes he right. says things that are awfully brutal. Right. And it's like, oh, you mean the extermination of six million Jews? Yeah, I guess you call it awfully it, brutal. Right, and then at the end of the movie, she, she says, you know, in retrospect, uh, I should have known. I don't really have an excuse. Right. Right. And it's like, mm. So when you say the filmmaker made him too sympathetic, I think the filmmaker did exactly what they should have done. I wasn't concerned with their treatment of her. No, I, I wasn't concerned with any of it because... I, you, I was. I still am. Okay, I, well, I want to talk about this a little yeah. bit. Um, you brought up the fact that, like, boy, they sure humanized all these people. And I said, yes, that's the point. I mean, I, I'm, what, I, what I'm saying now is if you don't humanize people who do inhuman acts, right. it's very easy to just dismiss it and not investigate right. it and not get to the core of it. No, I know. I completely agree with you, right? Like, that's the whole point of, I think... Sarah Marshall's job on You're Wrong About is to consistently, you know, um, humanize people because that's exactly what we try to do, right? We try to make everything as some some exterior force, right? Some monster, some bad guy, that's some right. evil. That's right. Because then instead we don't have of to recognizing it. that everybody that you know has within them the capacity to do really terrible, evil, awful things. We don't say evil, but like awful things, right? Yeah. Really terrible things. Everyone has the capacity to do that. Even your mom, even your boyfriend, even your brother, even your whatever, right? Your right. kid. And, and the German people weren't inherently evil, no. bloodlusting people. They no. were just people. Yes. Right. My concern watching it was, and I think this is just part of like who I am as a person, like I'm watching it and I am having so much like compassion and empathy for these people because I don't how to not do that. Um, and I was just thinking while watching it, like if I were a Nazi supporter or a Nazi myself or even a Nazi sympathizer and I watched this film, I think it would be very easy for me to feel like the film was speaking to me and that it was made for me. 
Um, because it really does show like, you know, the humanity, but in a way like there is no point in the movie where you really get a sense that what they're doing is as horrific as it was. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm going to make a weird comparison here. I, I, they're kind, they're, they're doing the same thing. Well, it's almost trite to do this, how they're doing. They're starting to do that with like star Wars now and, and the Mandalorian showing the Imperial and, and, and they're doing this on purpose, right? They're, they're showing these, these Imperial characters as, as being just not one dimensional monsters mm. that they have. Their, well, it makes it more interesting, certainly. Well, right, but they have their own motivations and their own interests, and yeah, and like yes, they've been brainwashed to a cause, clearly. Mm-hmm. But but again, people are complicated. Yeah. Um, and but I don't. I just I agree with you. Like people are complicated, and it is important to remember that these were actually just people and not monsters come from the depths of hell as demons or something. These were just human beings. Right, like think about the, the doctor character that they, they paint mm-hmm. in a pretty sympathetic light Very, yeah. for what He's he like the was. hero of the movie, and he's a sort fucking of. Nazi. Yeah, he's a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, you know that. And, and you can step into this world a little and see this person as a human being. And you don't have to walk away from the saying, you know, he was a pretty good Nazi and he was a good guy. And, you know, yeah, it's, but that is kind of what the film makes you do. It is. And, and it does it to a lot of them. You feel bad for them. You feel um, I don't I don't I don't agree. I, I didn't feel bad for any of them. I was watching their journey as a human being and I understood, OK, this is a person who is dealing with these personal struggles or is having these emotions, but never in my mind did I lose the fact that they were Nazis. Yeah, but you're you, right? And all that that means. I'm not a, I'm not a super genius. <laughs> no, but you are Jewish, first of all. Yes. Um, and a, I think, maybe not expert, but su- certainly a student of history and a student of World War II in particular. Yes. Um, and you are very knowledgeable about it and clear about it. And I think the film does not do a good enough job of making you hold both of those contradictory things at the same time. It doesn't ever make you face, the film, ever make you face what a Nazi is. It only yeah. shows you the human side and and the struggle that they had. And it never really gets to the point where you're like, right, there are concentration caps currently happening. Like these people, yes, they don't ever make you, they, they do a really good job of humanizing these people and they don't make you go. And they also did this. They never really bring it up. The flip side of that is they, they show Magda Goebbels murdering her own children. you know, mm-hmm. head on without mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. editing or subterfuge. Right. And they show Hitler murdering his own dog. You know, the, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think there was, I mean, there she was made plenty. sure that they were comfy in their beds, that they had been sedated beforehand. Cause that's how she it was happened. very sad. Right. Totally. But like, that was a choice that she made to murder her children. That's terrible. Feel bad for the kids and for her unfortunately, and it does not address what the Nazis were. It does not address the horrors that were being committed by these people in these rooms. Okay, sure, but 
when you're watching a movie about the final days of the Third Reich, I don't think you're walking into it going, I don't know anything about who this Hitler guy was or what these Nazis were. No. I think most people are walking into it. No, but I think it would have been effective if they had done exactly what they did and also show or at least in some way contend with what else the war was about and who Nazis were. I, I, I tend to disagree. I think the way this, this the story was self-contained about this, no, this is about this. This is this slice of time with these people and this is what we're doing and this is what we're showing. You know, I mean, you could make eight million movies about World War II, about any, uh, you know, any side plot or... They have. Yeah, they have. (laughs) have. Pretty much anything you can imagine they've done. Yeah. From like Bulgaria to what happened in Norway to, you know, anywhere else. So. I don't know. I I find it um, upsetting to have, I guess, the erasure of the atrocity of it. There's no representation of of the people that were slaughtered and terrorized and murdered. Um, But you wouldn't have that because... It's all centered around the last days in the bunker. Right. But. It, it's not a comprehensive look at Nazism and Hitler in World War II. It's a story about the final days in the bunker. I understand. I watched it. But <laughs> I'm saying there's a way to also acknowledge while doing that. That like while he's in the bunker, you don't think that there's like, mm, murder happening and he's not making any order there's nothing going on that's like it's nothing about that the whole movie is really just about like his descent into sort of madness and dementia and the people around him don't know what to do and they're sort of falling apart and 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 you know that's it there's there's mention of like don't make the german people suffer which i'm all about don't make the german people suffer and hiller said but there is no mention really at any point other than a tiny little speech that he gives about like why you shouldn't have compassion for weak people. But he's talking about Germans and Jews alike, right? He's talking about anyone who's weak. There's really no acknowledgement of what he caused to have happen. Well, there was the one speech I referred to where he talked about how he cleansed Europe of the Jewish it's a poison and disease. It's literally and... like two sentences. No, no, they don't, they don't, they don't give it a lot of, and I get that, like, they're trying to paint him like he wasn't always underground, probably screaming about how much he hates Jews. Um, I get that that's probably true. And I think I'm not saying it's not a good movie. I think it was a really well done movie. And I see the, the reason I, 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 like I have the, issue with it. I like the movie a lot is because I'm a real stickler for accuracy and sticking to the facts. Right. I don't think I'm suggesting that anyone make anything up by acknowledging that. 10 million people were slaughtered, right? Like that was, I don't think that that's making anything up to acknowledge in some way in this movie that that's what was happening. And that that was what Nazis were. There is not enough acknowledgement that that, that these people are Nazis and like they they just don't address it. And in a way that I found satisfactory. Okay. And we can disagree on that. No, we, dis- we, we disagree. I, I disagree mainly in the sense that this is not a starter movie. This is not Nazism 101. This is like, you know the story in depth, and now you're taking a real granular look but at don't one you think segment of it. It could also be shown for very nefarious purposes. If I showed that movie to a bunch of people who were kind of on the fence but kind of agreed with Nazis, I feel like they'd be like, "See, yeah, but you could see? do that. You could do that with anything. You could do that with Schindler's List. 
I don't think so. Not yeah. in this. No, not in the same way as this movie. No fucking way. If you were a skinhead. No, I'm not talking about already like, you know, uh, torches in the street Nazis. I'm talking about Nazi sympathizers, people who were like, maybe, maybe it wasn't as bad. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people who don't want to acknowledge the true like horrors of World War Two, and I think. As a gateway, this movie would be a really good gateway to show people, like, the humanity and see, like, they were pretty misunderstood and they don't really ever have to I didn't grapple get the, I, with... I didn't get that at all. If you're showing this to someone who sort of maybe is on the fence, you do not ever force them to grapple with what Nazis are. Throughout the entire film, you really don't ever make them do it. There's a Sub- couple sentences here and there. Subjectively, I didn't come away with that at all. I just didn't. I, 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 I saw the sort of the pseudo not I wouldn't even say protagonist but the you know the secretaries is you know sort of being brainwashed and dedicated in a weird way but I didn't find it endearing in any way uh, I can understand the doctors wanting to do their jobs as doctors but that doesn't make them heroic in any way I didn't see it like that right. and, and maybe we're just coming at it from different we definitely are right like I just we just yeah watched it and took and, away two different things which the, is fine that's yeah. why movies are and the fi- and the and the final segue to that is, oh boy, are the media really surprised that there was all kinds of people at this rally, with all kinds of horrific, yeah, Nazi slogans and right. p- that are part of organized hate groups that right. we know of. That I mean, there. that was the thing I would say was my biggest takeaway from watching that film was, it had been a while since we watched a World War II movie, and it hasn't been very long since I've been looking at people as white supremacists in the streets. And I think for me, um, looking at their uniforms and looking at some of the stuff that was around in the bunker, um, it's not that I'm not aware that these are symbols of the SS. It's not that I'm not aware that these are Nazi symbols, Mm -hmm. right? When I see them on white supremacists, I understand what those symbols mean and I understand why they're there. But watching a film like this about actual World War II Nazis, like the original Nazis, right? And looking at their uniforms and how well decorated they are and the Iron Cross and all of this stuff, right? Like giving the Iron Cross out to these kids and whatever. And recognizing those symbols and then seeing them, right? Having just seen them on people's outfits, essentially their Nazi cosplay at the Capitol, was kind of a stark reminder that like, when I call them Nazis, I'm not saying that's because they disagree with me. I'm not, I don't call people Nazis when they're not, these people literally are wearing like Nazi regalia around. Mm -hmm. They know what it means. I know what it means. The media knows what the fuck it means too, right? But like, these are Nazis in our midst, right? And and really like sort of grappling with like. That's the bigger problem too, right? When you see these people and then people like our dads are sort of sympathetic to the cause and they just want to dismiss that. Yeah. It's like there's no getting around the fact that you're at, you're going to a rally and there are Nazis there and you're cheering with them. Yeah. And I know you're not a Nazi and that's kind of the point. Like when we talked about Charlottesville, you know, this was back in times where we still weren't quite sure if it was okay to be a Nazi or not. Right. Shockingly. I mean, we were, but 
The news media wasn't sure exactly how to handle that whole Nazi problem. And there was a lot of people, even in mainstream organizations, that were like, well, some of these people were just there because they liked the statue. Some of these people were protesting because of history. Some of these people, and it's like, I'm sorry, if you choose to march in the streets with Nazis chanting blood and soil and you will not replace us, I don't really care why you're there. I don't need an explanation to explain away why you chose to do that. I don't, nothing is going to compel me to believe anything other yeah. than you chose to associate and march with Nazis, period. Speaking of that, um, so John Ossoff is now the youngest member of Congress, and Chuck Schumer is now going to be Senate Majority Leader. So I guess Jews did replace you after all. <laughs> and on that note. That's going to do it for us. Uh, I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. We will probably be back sooner rather than later now that we have our new home set up. Yeah. And there's a bunch of crazy shit happening and we will need to talk to you about it instead of answering 500 texts a day about it. Right. Um, Just start going. We did a podcast on Saturday. Go listen. (laughs) (laughs) More than ever, stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. We will talk to you soon. Be safe. Bye.